The friends of Jesus saw a blind man and asked Jesus a theological question. Why is this man born blind? Was it because he sinned or because his parents sinned? He's not blind because either he sinned or because his parents sinned, Jesus said. And then he lovingly gave the man his sight. It's natural, I guess, for us to ask why. Whenever something bad happens, we tend to want to know why it happened. I've heard the question why asked several times regarding this coronavirus pandemic. Why would a good and powerful God allow something like this to occur among people He loves, on a planet He loves? Two questions, or two answers I've heard people give are, one, maybe God is punishing us. And two, maybe this is the end of time. Let's look at both those potential answers. First, First of, all, first of all, is God punishing us? Well, I believe it's unfortunate, but some do say that. Some do say God is punishing us with COVID-19. A pastor in Florida, Rick Wiles, issued a, a now widely spread statement saying God is punishing the Jews. He was responding, Wiles was, to the outbreak of the coronavirus among members of Jewish synagogues in Israel. God is spreading it in the synagogues, he said, That pastor's words were cruel and, frankly, ignorant. He does does not represent the God uh, I know, at least as I know Him. He's not the only one, of course. Hardline Jewish rabbis also have said God is judging us. One hardline Muslim critic said God is testing Muslims and punishing all who oppose Islam. This virus is one of Almighty Allah's soldiers, he declared. It's inevitable, I guess. When something bad happens, some folks say God is getting us. After 9-11, the attack on the World Trade Center by terrorists on September 11, 2001, then they said it. A pastor whose name many of you would recognize declared that after 9-11, he said God was punishing the pagans, the abortionists, the feminists, the gays, and the ACLU. When Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans in 2005, lots of TV preachers said God was punishing New Orleans for its immorality, its decadence. I don't believe God sent terrorists to punish America on 9-11 or sent Sandy to punish New Orleans in 2005. And I don't believe the coronavirus is God's punishment on, on synagogues or anybody else in 2020. I don't believe this is a punishment. God is not vindictive. He's not malicious. But Travis... God punished Israel in the Old Testament. Yes, and remember, that is a unique situation. That was a theocracy, a government by God. The people of Israel were chosen with a unique mission. There is no indication beyond those days that God would inflict a pandemic on people because He's angry. Now, can a disaster like this get our attention and turn our hearts toward God and make us long for an assurance of His love? Absolutely. God can use something like this to bring about a lot of good, of course. That's one thing. To say He sent it is quite another. Remember, I'm talking about the fact that we're prone to ask why when something calamitous and disastrous happens, like COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic. Some say God is judging us, but I don't believe that. Here's another common answer. This is a sign 
of the end of time. Some are saying these are signs of the end of time. Maybe. But thousands and thousands of people before now have believed that. Throughout history, some Christians have thought Christ would return within their lifetimes. Some distant relatives of the Baptists, the 16th century Anabaptists, were dead certain that Jesus was returning any day. So they forcibly took over the German town of Leiden, instituted their own law, and sat around waiting for Jesus to return. Their prediction was wrong. And there have been lots of people wrong uh, before and since. There have been countless predictions and countless dates for the end of time have been set. I read a copy of what was reportedly a genuine personal ad in some newspaper. Yesterday in this space, I predicted that the world would come to an end. It did not, however. I regret any inconvenience this may have caused. One day, someone's going to be right. By sheer coincidence, someone is going to say, Jesus is coming today, and Jesus will. What if I were to walk out in my front yard every morning and yell, I predict a white dog today will run down the street. If I do that every day, chances are one day a white dog will run down the street. And I can say, see, I prophesied that, I told you so. One day the prophets and predictors will be right, but we don't know when. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 22, verse 11, which reads, There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. And just a few verses later, in verses 25 to 28, we read, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And these things begin to take place. Stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing nigh or near. Sounds ominous, right? But don't forget that Jesus prefaced this section of His sermon by saying this. From that same chapter, a few verses earlier, verses 8 and 9. Watch out, he said, that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. This is a time to make sure we're prepared to be sure We know history is headed to a God-planned conclusion with the return of Jesus. We don't know when, we just know it's coming. And the point is not to get all wound up reading signs and screaming that the sky is falling. Remember Chicken Little? Bird flew over and dropped an acorn from his mouth that hit Chicken Little on the head. Chicken Little thought the sky was falling and broadcast his fear widely. We don't want to do that. The point is to make sure my relationship with God is such that whenever I meet Him, either because Jesus returns or I die, my hope is in Jesus and not in my goodness, so I'm going to be okay. Again, the point is to make sure my relationship with God is such that whenever I meet Him, either because Jesus returns or I die, my hope is in Jesus and not in my own goodness, so I'm going to be okay. 
Is the pandemic apocalyptic? Absolutely. But maybe not in the same, not in the way that so many people seem to think. The original word in Greek, apokalypsis, means an unveiling, a revelation. That word, apocalypse, in English usually is, is used to refer to some catastrophic, cataclysmic event. But it really means an unveiling. An opportunity, is, an opportunity to see what we did not see clearly before. Like taking the veil off a, off a statue or a piece of art we had not previously seen. Or pulling back the curtains of a drama so that we may see what's going on. And this pandemic has certainly allowed us to see what we perhaps did not see clearly before. For one thing, it has reminded us that we are completely dependent on our Creator for life itself. A couple of weeks ago in our Tenebrae service, I mentioned the late Werner von Braun, the man whose influence helped make us the wonderful region that we are. Von Braun had confidence in science. He knew Science held the solution to so many of humankind's problems. He knew science had the answers to some of humankind's most perplexing questions. But he also understood the limits of science's science's capacity. He knew that science has limits. There were problems he knew that science could not solve. Many don't know that von Braun was a man of faith. In his paper, Why I Believe, he recognized there were limits to the potential of science. He said, With all the science in the world, we need faith in God. Whenever faith in ourselves, in human potential, has reached its limit. Again, with all the science in the world, he wrote, we need faith in God. Whenever faith in ourselves, in human potential, has reached its limit. With all the science in the world, we've come up against an invisible foe, a virus that to this point has has baffled even the greatest scientists. Of course, we have confidence that one day they'll figure this out and find a vaccine, but not yet. Feels rather helpless, doesn't it? That's why during this pandemic, those words of Von Braun seem so appropriate. With all the science in the world... We need faith in God whenever faith in ourselves has reached its limit. And faith in ourselves, faith in human potential is is reaching its limit. That is what is apocalyptic about this coronavirus. It has unveiled, revealed, pulled back the curtain to show us again the truth that human potential has its limit. The very air we breathe is a gift from our Father and Creator. And one day, someday, we will stand before Him. So, Travis, you say that some people believe this coronavirus is God's judgment and you don't believe it. And some say it's a sign that the end is near and you, you say we should be at, least, at least be cautious of claiming that lest we sound like Chicken Little. We're not sure you're right, by the way, but just in case you are, why do you think this happened? Ah... So glad you asked. It gives me a chance to quote my favorite author, Philip Yancey. He was writing about the question of why bad things happen. And here's what he wrote. Most biblical authors, it seems, did not sit around scratching their heads over the question, why do bad things happen to good people? 
They viewed this world as enemy territory, a spoiled planet, ruled by the father of lies, the wizard of woe. What else should we expect from Satan's lair? The Garden of Eden, our idyllic world, was tainted, infected, contaminated, soiled by the event we refer to as the fall. Nobody understands the detail from that story of the fall, but we do know that at the moment of human disobedience, sin and evil and death came came rushing, along with darkness, came rushing into the human drama just like the muddy waters of big rivers overflow their banks during a flood and rush into streets and homes where that, that murky mess doesn't belong. Just like that, sin and evil and death and darkness came rushing into the human drama. Diseases and disasters are inevitable results of living on a planet that is fallen. A planet that, to quote from Romans 8, is groaning. The Bible says in Romans 8 that the earth has been groaning, waiting for the day when it will be restored. As Yancey put it, we don't find a lot of explanations in the pages of the Bible as to why bad things happened. They assumed we'd all know. We live in an imperfect world. World where the, a world where the evil one roams around seeking whom he may devour. Though there is so much beauty and good here, there is also evil here. And sometimes there are pandemics here. Maybe, maybe it's as simple as that. Why did this happen? I don't have a lot of answers. But I know that God loves us with a love that will not let us go. I believe that, and if you'll allow me to be a little personal and a little sappy, I'd like to tell you something. I was walking our dog, Gracie, this past Sunday afternoon when I looked down at her. It's funny, isn't it, how much we can learn from pets? It was raining. I was carrying an umbrella, walking this dog in the rain. She was sopping wet, looked like a rat. In fact, she was such a muddy mess that when we got home... Gracie and I, Carrie was at home in the dry. When Gracie and I got home, we had to give Gracie a bath. She's going to hate me one day for showing you that picture. While we were walking, I had an odd thought. Why do I love this soggy little fuzzball so much? And the thought came to me. Because she's mine. It's not because she's smarter or prettier or better trained than other dogs. She's not, but she's mine. Carrie and I chose her despite the fact that that her left eye is a little funny and that her breeder suggested we take another puppy. She's ours. She is mine. And I thought of something my mother told me when I was a little boy. I haven't thought about it in years, but she must have told me this a dozen times. My mother was 40 when I was born, older than most newborn mothers of newborns, and she thought she would not be able to have children. My mom and dad had lost a son. His name was Kenneth. He lived just a few days, and that was a long time before I was born. And this is what my mom used to love to tell me. When I was born, and they handed me to her, she said, Is that mine? What distinguished me from the other babies in the hospital at, at what then was called Anniston Memorial Hospital, it, it's, it's not that I was more this or more that. I was simply... Hers, is that mine, she said. And at that moment, 
she would have gladly given her life for me. Would you think of that? A 40-year-old mom of a newborn who loved me with all her heart just because I was hers. And listen to this from Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. 